Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome into Outkick the Show. I'm your fearless leader, Clay Travis, Friday edition of the program. I hope all of you are having fantastic weeks so far and that you are set for superb weekends wherever you may be. Super Bowl is next week. I'll be out in Phoenix flying out on Tuesday. We'll go to the Super Bowl, so I'll be out for a week there. Uh, in Phoenix, cannot wait. We have the number one radio show, Clay and Buck, in Phoenix. So I'll be doing the radio show there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Monday. I'll be doing Outkick the Show out in Phoenix Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Monday as well. Just a little bit of housekeeping there. Normal show Monday, reacting to whatever may take place over the weekend. Uh, but we begin with this crazy story that I wouldn't have even been able to predict if I had been playing sort of story bingo here. There is a Chinese spy balloon that we became aware of in the public arena in Montana yesterday. Uh, And this thing is slowly floating across the country. It is now in Kansas, is then scheduled to go to Missouri. Then it will fly across Tennessee and exit somewhere in the vicinity of North Carolina, South Carolina state line into the Atlantic Ocean. We have told China that this is unacceptable and we have canceled a meeting that was scheduled between Secretary of State Anthony Blinken and uh, Chinese leader Xi Jinping. But I got to tell you this, not acceptable, okay? Uh, So I don't see this as a political-related issue, frankly, at all, other than the fact that China is awful and everyone in America should be united to the fact that we are effectively in a Cold War with China and have been for some time. And it's incredibly frustrating to me that so many people in America either seem unaware or unwilling to acknowledge this. And I started talking about it in a big way because I saw it in the world of sports uh, where the NBA and Nike in particular, were effectively held hostage by China and uh, were willing to rip America to shreds, the athletes and the companies were, but they wouldn't say a negative word at all about China. And uh, I've continued to call that out, and I will for a long time to come. Uh, But this Chinese spy balloon situation, first of all, if a spy balloon enters into the United States airspace, If any foreign spying device enters into United States uh, airspace, I think we should immediately shoot it down. This should not be controversial. This should be basic American policy that we do not permit our airspace to be invaded by foreign actors. And so I don't buy that this is accidental. I don't buy that this is some uh, lost astray weather balloon. This is a Chinese spy act. It is an act of espionage, and there should be consequences. Now, I understand everybody out there who says, boy, if you think this Chinese spy balloon is a big deal, wait till you see what they're doing with TikTok in this country. I agree. And if you go back and listen to me 
as I have discussed TikTok, I've been saying for a long time that Chinese companies shouldn't be able to have access to the United States uh, because they won't let Google, they won't let Twitter, they won't let many big tech companies in America have access to their markets uh, when it comes to social media and the internet. This should, Trump was right about this, this should have been a forced uh, sell of asset to TikTok-based assets in the United States should have happened a long time ago. Uh, But this is part and parcel of what China's doing. They're engaged in covert espionage, spying activities designed to undermine United States legitimacy both here in the country and around the world. And I've been writing and talking about this for a long time. But the standard practice here is this should be shot down. And it should have been shot down the minute that it came into our airspace. And the fact that we're just going to allow China to float a Chinese spy balloon all the way across the United States and exit into the Atlantic Ocean is completely unacceptable. Uh, I think we should shoot this thing down. And frankly, I'm surprised that a Republican governor has not done this and or sent up some sort of a retrieval device. Uh, This is a balloon that could theoretically be punctured and slowly descend uh, to the Earth. Now, if we are concerned, as maybe it is potentially the case that we are, uh, that there could be some danger associated with this Chinese spy balloon, I understand that, then level with the American public and consider this to be an act of provocation on behalf of China. Uh, Maybe this is related to our announcement of our relationship with the Philippines, uh, with continued American statements that we are going to defend China if it's invaded. But effectively, we are allowing a form of Chinese spying in this country, and we are allowing them to violate the sanctity of our airspace. It's unacceptable. And I said this earlier. uh, I'm in Tennessee. Evidently, the forecast is that this uh, Chinese spycraft is going to fly across the entire length of the state of Tennessee. If I were governor, I would seize this Chinese aircraft, uh, this Chinese spycraft, and uh, and bring it down to earth. Um, maybe shoot it down. Uh, I I just I don't think that we are sending a message of strength and uh, solidity when we are allowing China to send this balloon all the way across the country. I think it's an embarrassment. Unfortunately, I think this is one of the disadvantages of having an 80-year-old president in Joe Biden who is not anywhere near the peak of his intellectual abilities. I don't think the peak of Joe Biden's intellectual abilities were ever very high, uh, but I think that it is an embarrassment that he is our leader right now. I don't think there's any doubt that if Donald Trump were in charge, there would be severe consequences. I think Trump would shoot this thing down. Trump himself might go up in an F-16 and fly along to shoot it down. Uh, I'm kind of making light of it, but I also don't think China would have done this. This is what I believe happens when your adversaries don't respect your leadership. And I don't believe Joe Biden is respected anywhere around the world. I think he's seen as what he is, a weak man uh, with limited faculties and power. And I think China is testing him. And I think yet again, he's being found to be wanting in his ability to respond to this issue. Um, And frankly, I think it's an embarrassment. I think this thing should be punctured, brought down to earth, studied, look at what China is attempting to uncover with this spy uh, balloon um, and make it clear that this will not be permitted to happen again. And also, 
figure out how this was possible in the first place. Where did this enter into American airspace in the first place? Did it come across Canada and enter into Canada and then cross into the United States and Montana? Did it come from the Pacific Ocean and float from Washington across Washington uh, and then across Montana and on down into the United States on prevailing wind currents? To what extent is this being uh, uh, carried by China? To what extent is this being controlled? All these are important questions. I don't think we're getting the full story here. I think this is an embarrassment, yet again, of the Biden administration. Uh, And let me, I mentioned Trump. You guys know I voted for Trump. Uh, If Trump is the nominee in 2024, I'm going to happily vote for him. He was on Hugh Hewitt's radio show, I believe, yesterday and said that he would refuse to rule out the idea that he might run as a third-party candidate uh, in 2024 if he's not the Republican nominee. It's an unacceptable answer. Um, And I'm going to vote probably for whoever the 2024 Republican nominee is because I presume he's going to be running or she is going to be running against Joe Biden. And Joe Biden, in my opinion, is the worst president we've ever seen uh, and cannot be allowed to continue as president and win re-election or Kamala Harris or whoever else might be the nominee coming forward for Democrats in 2024. Um, Trump, in his last campaign outside of the White House, right, in the 2016 election, refused to raise his hand and say he wouldn't run as a third party if he were not the nominee. He was the only Republican candidate who did that. I understood that decision at that point in time because Trump didn't know if the party would reflect his opinions, his beliefs, and stand for the things that he thought were important. Maybe it would be necessary for him to undertake a Ross Perot-style third-party run. I understand that response then. I think Trump ran a brilliant campaign in 2016, and I think the rig job caught up with him in 2020. Uh, What I would say in general, however, is it's a bad answer for 2024. I think Trump should say, I'm going to be the nominee. I don't worry about thinking if I'm not going to be the nominee. So I intend to be the nominee. If for some reason I had a health issue, if for some reason I did not believe that I was able to fulfill the responsibilities and obligations of being the Republican nominee for president and someone else had that opportunity, I would support them because beating Joe Biden is the most important uh, opportunity in 2024. That's, That's the answer. That's the answer that I believe makes a lot of sense because Trump destroys all of his legacy completely if he decided to run in 2024 as an independent party. He would guarantee that he could not win. He would guarantee that whichever Democrat was put forward would win. And so this is a bad, I believe, campaign strategy to not just say, I'm going to support whoever the 2024 candidate is. It's going to be me, and I'm going to support myself fully. But in the event I was unable to follow through on being the nominee in 2024, I would support whomever the nominee might end up being. Seems like an easy answer to me. I think Trump is not being the best advocate for himself or his own policies so far in this 2024 campaign. Hey, Clay Travis right here. Outkick the show is dominating. We're continuing to roll. More coming back in a moment. But first, this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, 
Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Uh, Kyrie Irving has demanded a trade from the New Jersey Nets. Uh, Kyrie, I respect uh, his standing when it came to uh, the COVID shot and the fact that he would not get it. I believe he has been validated. I believe he has been vindicated in the decision that he made there as the COVID shot is garbage. And as more and more evidence comes out about how worthless it is for young, healthy athletes, I think that it is going to be to our eternal shame that we ever required those athletes to get this shot. But there are a lot of people in the NBA who it appears are not very happy. And based on the way the Brooklyn Nets refused to support Kyrie Irving, by and large, during the COVID imbroglio, I'm not surprised that Kyrie Irving wants to go somewhere else. Now, in general, I think there are a lot of NBA players making hundreds of millions of dollars to make play basketball who are not that happy in their lives. And it is a canard, it is a cliche that money does not buy happiness. Um, I think that's true to a certain extent. Money certainly helps happiness. But when you become an NBA player and you're worth hundreds of millions of dollars, I think it's fair to say you have so much money that you have removed money from your concerns. And I think social media is making many of these guys unhappy. I think they spend too much time on Instagram. I think they spend too much time on Twitter. I think they spend too much time in the social media universe. Uh, I think most athletes do, not just NBA guys. But I think the NBA in particular has embraced social media to a degree that most other sports have not. And I think, by and large, spending large amounts of time on social media makes you more unhappy. Now, I understand I'm a little bit of a hypocrite here. Because I spend lots of time on Twitter, lots of time on social media. I would argue that's a necessity for my job. But I have been dialing back the amount of time I spend on social media. When you've got the biggest radio show in the country, when you are on the most popular cable channel, Fox News, in the country, talking to millions of people every day on those, when you are running the fastest growing sports website in the country in OutKick, reaching tens of millions of people every month on that site as well, there's less of a necessity to spend time on social media to make sure people see and hear what your opinions are. Uh, I still enjoy it, uh, but I think uh, Kyrie Irving has demanded a trade because he's unhappy uh, with the support that he got at the Brooklyn Nets. Where's he going to end up? I'm not sure that it matters. Um, I'm not sure that Kyrie Irving is going to go to any team and automatically change. the. By the way, the NBA trade deadline is Thursday of next week. I'm not sure Kyrie Irving is going... Uh, to any team, although there's obviously a lot of talk about the Lakers uh, and the possibility of the Lakers wanting him to go. Kyrie has said that he'll leave as a free agent in the offseason if he is not traded. I kind of feel like the Nets should call his bluff. Uh, I'm just saying if I was honestly the Nets owner, uh, Joe Tsai, who is a Chinese uh, propagandist, by the way, um, if I were the Nets owner, I think I would call Kyrie Irving's bluff because Kyrie Irving vacillates quite a lot sometimes in what his public statements are as it relates to basketball. And I would just kind of roll the dice that he's not actually going to leave as a free agent. Once you say you're going to leave as a free agent, if you aren't traded, you automatically undercut in many ways the uh, sort of incentive structure, the ability, uh, the, uh, the, the control that your team has to be able to go out and get you traded because you're cutting off a lot of the negotiating power and leverage of your team 
that is the Brooklyn Nets, when you say, we're going to leave. Because the immediate response of any team that's going to trade for him is, okay, we'll give you X. And when the Nets come back and ask for Y, uh, the team that offered X just says, hey, you know what? We don't have to give any more because if we don't get him now, we'll just go sign him in the offseason and we won't have to give you anything. So that is undercutting in a big way the ability of Kyrie Irving uh, to get the best return from the Brooklyn Nets for him. Also, if you truly care about winning in the future, you should not want the team that you're trading to to have to give up abundant assets in order to get you. You should go to that team as a free agent and not require them to give up draft picks or other talented players in exchange for you because that just makes it more difficult for you to win at a high level on the new team that you are on. A lot of speculation about Kyrie to the Lakers, rejoining him with LeBron James, also bringing in Anthony Davis. I don't think the Lakers have a lot of assets. We'll see what could end up happening there, uh, but that is news uh, that is circulating to a large degree. Tony Romo, report in the New York Post that Tony Romo needed, uh, and this is crazy to me, uh, that Tony Romo needed a work ethic intervention from CBS Sports over his work ethic to call games alongside of Jim Nance at CBS. Romo, when he started, was a sensation calling games, was not paid that much money as the CBS lead broadcaster alongside of Jim Nance, and then ended up signing what's reportedly like a 10-year, $175 million contract, uh, the biggest contract at that time in history to call games. More power to Tony Romo. I think he deserves it. In the last year or two, the internet, which initially loved Tony Romo, has fallen out of love with Tony Romo. uh, And there is now a massive amount of criticism raining down on him, reportedly, because he's not spending much time prepping. Now, one aspect of this might be early on when he was calling games, Romo was likely to know and or have played against many of the guys that were on the field during his tenure as a member of the Dallas Cowboys. So he may not have had to do that much prep because he might well have already known a lot of the players that were on the field. But given that the average NFL tenure lasts less than four years, I would argue that one of the challenges Romo may be now running into is that he doesn't know the rosters in the NFL as well as he used to. And so prepping to call games requires more time. I mean, this this seems logical to me, right? When you prep to play a game in the NFL, you go through a great amount of study and you're going to be really well informed with all of the talent on the field and their individual attributes. Five or six years after you've been out of the league, much of the league has turned over and so you have to continue to work hard to familiarize yourself with everybody that is still out there in the league. And so to me, uh, this might merely be a function of Romo not pre- maybe he's still prepping the same way he already has. He just doesn't have as much residual knowledge as he did early on. There's also the possibility Romo gets $175 million. He's got guaranteed money. As long as he shows up and does a pretty decent job, he's locked in $175 million. Maybe he's not driven that much at this point. There are other things he likes more of in his life. I saw where Cowherd said, look, he's a golfer. 
He's focused on golf. That's his favorite way to spend time. Certainly, he's got a young family. Um, We'll see what ends up happening. I thought Romo was fine, but I think Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhart have been so good. Uh, And I think certainly uh, uh, the, uh, the combo of Joe Buck and Troy Aikman have done well as the lead team. Uh, we all know, you know, Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet are longtime studs for Amazon. Uh, and you just start looking around. Collinsworth and Tarico are a really good combo on NBC. I think maybe this is just a function of Romo feeling like he does enough to be really solid at his job and not being driven to be the best. And now there isn't a bad duo, right? Everybody who is calling games at the A-list level in the NFL is now up their game. It used to be ESPN uh, was doing a poor job on their games. They didn't have the same elite level uh, announced team. They go get Joe Aikman uh, and uh, and uh, Troy Aikman and Joe Buck. Uh, you end up with Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit, who I thought did a really good job Thursday night football for Amazon. Uh, you continue to roll up all of that talent uh, and maybe with the surprising, uh, I think, really good duo of Greg Olson and uh, Kevin Burkhart, suddenly Romo and Nance are not as unique and elevated above the competition as everyone else. In other words, everyone has kind of lifted their game, Collinsworth and Tirico. There's been a lot of movement, but as a result, there's a lot of talent calling games. Nobody's bad. And there's been more of a spotlight on Romo and less praise. I also think this is kind of the natural way these things go. Initially, everybody loves you uh, if you do a good job. And then people decide that they have to change the narrative because the narrative is always awesome, always amazing. And so it starts to spin back the other direction. I think you see this happen a lot uh, in all facets. Uh, CNN. CNN's Don Lemon, good piece up about it at OutKick. Uh, CNN's Don Lemon was not on the CNN morning show. Remember, Don Lemon effectively got a demotion from primetime in the evenings to joining Poppy Harlow and Caitlin Collins on the new CNN morning show. And he's gone from being a solo host, a solo act, to being a part of a three-man. And I say three-man, two-woman, one-man. And so... I've done three-man radio, I've done two-man radio, I've done solo radio, Uh, I have done a lot of uh, ensemble cast television, as you guys well know, regularly a guest on Fox News, I did four years of daily television in sports gambling uh, on FS1, so I'm kind of used to doing a lot of television over the time, figuring out exactly how to interplay all of those aspects, Um, and I think that, uh, that what's going on here is... Don Lemon's just not an ensemble act. And reports are that he flipped out on Caitlin Collins in December after a show because he was upset uh, at the way that she had behaved. Uh, That story then got written in the New York Post in great detail. And today, Don Lemon did not show up for work. So CNN's got issues. They had a nine-year low in ratings. This new morning show that CNN tried to put together has not panned out. I think it's fair to say as they anticipated that show would pan out. Uh, and so uh, as you continue to kind of follow this story and see in what direction it is evolving, uh, it is not going well for CNN, and Don Lemon seems to be very unhappy 
with uh, the overall trajectory of his time at CNN. Uh, finally, finishing it up with a fun story here. Uh, I saw this story and I said, of course. But it has now been confirmed, in case you were wondering, ugly people wear masks at much higher rates. That is, the uglier you are, the more you are committed to your COVID mask. And this makes some sense, right? This is like my theory that if you watch the people who are protesting, really protesting anything, how often do you see hot protesters, right? How often have you been like, hey, you know who really, you know where to find the hottest girls in D.C.? Protesting outside of Brett Kavanaugh's house. If you're a woman, you're like, you know where I can find a total stud? Oh, he's showing up at the protest outside of Amy Coney Barrett's house on Friday night. That's where all the hot guys go. No, not really. By and large, if you protest, you are angry and you are ugly. I think those go hand in hand. There's just not a lot. I've seen a lot of footage. I got to be honest with you. I have not been to a protest, maybe ever. I'm too good looking to ever protest. Um, But in all honesty, I've never seen footage of people protesting and thought, that's a really good looking people. Really good looking group of people. I wasn't sure if that was the... uh, Washington Commanders cheerleading team or if that was the people showing up outside of Brett Kavanaugh's house to protest. Really difficult for me to tell the difference. Uh, No, protesters tend to be ugly and so do people who wear masks. The lesson here in general, losers protest. Also losers do anonymous Twitter handles and protest there too. Oh my goodness. Uh, and, uh, and it's not a surprise. The uglier you are, the more likely you are to be a Fauciite, the more likely you are to run around with your mask on like a pathetic loser because that, my friend, is what you are. Don't be a pathetic loser. Burn your masks. Never wear them again and mock everyone who does. And also, you're not going to find a hot guy or girl showing up at the local protest because they're ugly too. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP, I am the best looking man that is on your screen right now. I would like to think on your Twitter handle. You can follow me at Clay Travis. Go sign up for Clay and Buck. Thank you for making January an outstanding success for all of us. This has been Outkick the Show. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. And congrats to my co-host, Buck Sexton, who is marrying Carrie tomorrow, as we talked about on the radio show. He is becoming a married man. Congrats to that duo and many great years to them as well. Appreciate all of you. Have fabulous weekends.